Good morning to you. My name is Stephen Elliott. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and I wanted to share for a few minutes about just some of the changes that have taken place in uh, my life and in my wife's life over the last two months. Um, if you have your head up against the mother's room, you might be able to hear my little girl's turbo lungs going, maybe, I'm not sure. but um, Our little girl, Evelyn Elizabeth Elliott, was born on Saturday, November 5th at 5 p.m. She is our, our first. In the moment that Holly and I saw her, we instantly fell in love. And I imagine that you parents can, uh, can relate. Uh, over the last two months, I have gotten less sleep, drinking more coffee, taking more pictures on my phone. I need to get a bigger phone with more storage capacity. Um, and changed more diapers than I can count. Uh, and I know that that is just the beginning. Uh, but I think that I have, in, in the process, in the midst of all that, I think that I have developed a better, um, a little bit better understanding of the nature and the heart of God the Father that I didn't quite have before becoming a dad myself. And that's what I want to share with you a little bit this morning. I guess the best way, if I had to uh, maybe put a title to this morning's, to my, to my testimony this morning, it would be to call it, um, you know, Reflections on the Father, Reflections of the Father from a Brand New Dad. Uh, and I realize that you all are at many different stages uh, in this, you know, from maybe you are grandparents and you have been there and done that many times over to maybe you're not even close to being there yet. You're not even close to being a parent and that's, and that's fine. But my prayer is that my experiences and my insights um, will still be fresh and relevant and encouraging um, reminders about who our Heavenly Father is. Uh, so just three of the many things that I have learned. Uh, as I've mentioned, when Evie was born, nothing could have prepared me for what I felt in that moment when she came into the world, when she was laid on my wife's chest and I looked at her. And in fact, I even like said her name and she turned, she like looked up at me and oh my gosh, my heart just, I'm just going to stop talking about that because I'll fall apart. Um, <laughs> stay on task, Stephen. But we fell in love with her in an instant. Um, so I think the, the first thing that it taught me is that it gave me a, a little bit better perspective of God's unconditional, unearned, unmerited love for us. Uh, as, as God's children, he loves us because it's just who he is. It's at the very, it's just at the very heart of his nature. I'm better understanding that when God calls us his children, it's just not a nice title that he places on us. It's not something that just communicates where we stand positionally with him, although that is true. But I'm understanding that it's, it's the best thing that we can understand that to, the, to what communicates his love and his passion and his commitment to us. Uh, the opening words of the old hymn have, been, have had a much richer meaning to me. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. And that is something that I have sung to her many times. It's something I've been playing over in my head many, many times over the last two months. Secondly, Evie has taught me about God's patience and long-suffering. Um, about a month ago, I went to change her diaper, and I could tell, all my senses were telling me that it was going to be a good one. Uh, it was going to be very impressive, and when I unwrapped her diaper, I was correct. Um, and as I, as I, you know, I'm, I'm getting better at this, but as I pulled her 
foot back and I'm trying to like get, you know, the, it takes three, more than two hands, but I'm trying to work it and get the, you know, the wipes. Man, she just wiggled free and just put her foot right in it. And I'm like, no, oh, don't do that. <laughs> so I took some extra time and wiped her down and cleaned her up. And like I said, I've gotten a lot better. I'm getting, getting more skilled at these things. Um, but isn't that just like us? And isn't that just like God, that in the midst of us just messing things up, we, without fail, we somehow make it worse. Uh, we somehow make it even worse than it is. And God is patient with us. And he's kind of, th- I've been reading in the Old Testament a lot. And I think, my goodness, Lord, don't you get tired of these people like messing up over and over and over? But Evie has taught me a lot about patience. He's taught me a lot about uh, the patience of a parent that just loves and understands that, you know what, this is just a little child. And they, they just don't know better. They're, they're messed up and they take they take patient, patient, compassionate love. The scriptures remind me that God is patient, he's faithful, he's long-suffering, and he's slow to anger. Finally, Evie has taught me about the importance of simply enjoying time with God in his presence. Um, one of my all-time favorite things in the world is that, that time when she's been fed, she's not hungry, she's been burped, she's been cleaned up and She's got a fresh diaper on her and wrapped up tight and she's warm and like everything in, in her world and her life is perfect. And she's, she's happy and content. And we just, I just get her in close because I'm learning like she doesn't have that depth vision. So I got to get in close and we just like lock eyes and just stare at each other. And she's, the times when she smiles, my gosh, my heart just like melts. I just fall apart. And we'll just stare at, stare at each other and smile for like long periods of time. I remember first time parents telling me like, oh, I just could just stare at my child for hours. And I thought, oh, that's kind of weird. But oh man, <laughs> becoming a parent, it's totally true. I, I love like watching her grow and I love watching her wiggle around and, um, you know, even crying and squirming and making funny noises. I love watching all that. But my all time favorite thing is to just sit and stare is when we just sit and stare at each other and enjoy each other's company and presence. And she's reminded me that our Heavenly Father longs for us to allow, longs for us to allow him to clean us up, to take care of our needs, to hold us near to him and to enjoy his presence and his goodness and his provision and his deep, unending, tender-hearted and compassionate love. You see, we get so busy doing. We think that we somehow please God by doing all of these things. And th- there's a part of that that's true. But I think the thing that, God, that, that brings the most joy to the Father is when we can just sit and enjoy his presence and dwell in his presence. It reminds me of the Psalm, Psalm 27, 4. One thing that I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after him, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Thank you. Hello. We are David and Amanda Bohr. Uh, I'm a respiratory therapist. I'm a stay-at-home homeschool mom. We've been married for 21 years, and we have four beautiful daughters and one son-in-law, Raylin, who's... 21, Haley, who's 19, Avery, who's also 19, Riley, who's 12, almost 13, and Anna, who's 6. Start with me. I claimed to be a Christian growing up because that's what my parents said we were, but I didn't know what that truly meant. We'd only attended church for a short time when I was about five. Looking back, I know our lifestyle suggested anything but following Christ. 
I know there was a Bible in our house, but I never opened it. I certainly wasn't glorifying God with the things I did and said. My choices were contrary to what a Christian should have been. But I had an emptiness inside, and I yearned to fill it and never could satisfy it. Fast forward several years through many bad experiences, poor choices, and looking for love in all the wrong ways. I was a young army wife. We lived in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. I had a toddler and a baby, a broken marriage, and we were very poor. I worked part-time at Pizza Hut trying to make ends meet. Most of the people there were just like me, lost, except for there was one who was a pastor of a small church. He invited us to church for Christmas service. It was like a light turned on inside of me. I desperately wanted to go. It was the invitation I'd been waiting for without knowing it. Unfortunately, it snowed a lot there, and our car was not equipped to drive in snow, and we got stuck, so we had to turn around and go home. The pastor didn't give up, though. When Easter rolled around, he invited us again, and the weather didn't hold us back. I don't remember what the service was, or who preached, or what they preached on, although it was Easter, so I have a good idea. Uh, <laughs> what I do remember is taking the Bible from the pew in front of me and feeling like I was holding a valuable treasure. I stole that Bible. <laughs> I don't know if I actually meant to, or if I was just planning to borrow it and return it, but I didn't, and I don't recall for certain if I meant to steal it or not. But I'm sure if I just asked, they would have given it to me. Um, we didn't make a habit of going to church, maybe only once more after that, before the girls and I moved back to California to live with my parents while David was relocated to a new military base in Barstow. I carried that Bible everywhere I went. I read it, but my eyes were not open to God's word yet. I was persistent, though. I just kept reading, even though I didn't understand. I wanted to know more. A friend of mine from high school invited me to church, and I accepted, and we attended together for a few months. While I was trying to listen, she'd be next to me writing notes and passing them to me like we were in high school. But eventually she stopped going, but I didn't. I continued on alone. I often felt convicted like the pastor was staring at me and preaching right to my heart. <laughs> um, not long after I was baptized and I got a new heart and a new Bible, and my heart was for the Lord and I wanted David's to be too. I wanted so badly for our crumbling marriage to be like those around us in the pews that I saw. There were holding hands or had their arm around each other, and I just sat there alone, and it was, it, it hurt. But God was listening. I would prod and nag David to come to church with me. Needless to say, it was very ineffective. He would ridicule me and torture me with hateful words. Despite that, I never stopped reading and growing, although very, very slowly. But God was ever-present, reminding me not to give up. Life got hard, though. It was like having to choose between my husband and Christ. The world and David were attacking my spirit, and I was succumbing to the world. <clears throat> Move too fast. <laughs> For a season, I actually stepped away from going to church because it just got too hard. But I never stopped reading the Bible, and Jesus kept calling me back. I continued my slow, slow growth, and God was still listening. My memory's poor, and I don't remember the events that led up to it or even the times after it, but David did get baptized. And we moved, again, actually, up to Porterville. And eventually his spiritual growth took off like a rocket, and mine was ever slow. Sometimes I felt like I'd take two steps forward and three steps back, but I never stopped reading, and Jesus kept calling me. 
Most of my life I'd been like a Martha and not a Mary. I was ever busy working and taking care of what I thought needed to be taken care of, what I thought. Taking charge because I believed if I didn't do it, no one would. I was very arrogant in my desire to be in control. But God was listening. He saw the dysfunction in my life and in my marriage. Sorry, I'm terrible about speaking in front of people. <laughs> I almost did it. Um, he saw the dysfunction in my life and my marriage. He, needed, or he knew I needed to step back and allow David to be the head of our family. I was stifling his potential by always trying to be in control. God allowed my spiritual growth to be stunted so David's could take the lead, so his strengths could be realized. This was something incredibly hard for me to accept, so I'm a control freak. And um, I had many doubts about my salvation through it, but now I can see um, how beautifully clear the plan was that God had laid out for our marriage and how now I can appreciate the love that he's put in our marriage and the unity we have because we're both put our focus on Jesus and his calling. And now each day we grow closer to Christ and closer together. God was listening and still is. I surrendered my control to Jesus and he healed my marriage. Now I sit in church every Sunday morning holding his hand. <laughs> Benny's still listening. I give her a pretty hard time. <laughs> so I was raised in the church but I wasn't a believer I spent much of my young adult life giving believers a hard time I was very crafty in my arguments and would use mean-spirited foul and spiteful language especially with my wife both my wife and my mother were constantly nagging me to go to church uh, or that I should have faith. I would make excuses and argue with them. So one day I decided that I would get baptized. I didn't truly believe, but the nagging stopped. I became softer on them so they wouldn't know what I truly thought. I wasn't a believer and nothing changed in me. A little over a year after my baptism, my wife told me of a dream that she had. Mind you, this isn't theological, it's just a dream. I call it the red balloon dream. It begins with my wife telling me that in this dream that she had, I was mowing the lawn. So you know it's a dream. <laughs> and she was in the house when all of a sudden the rapture happened. And the rapture didn't happen exactly the way that it says in the Bible. In this dream, it came by way of red balloon. All of the believers in the world were being carried away by red balloons, but the unbelievers couldn't see them floating towards heaven. She said that as she floated towards heaven, she looked down at me mowing the lawn, and I looked lost and confused because I couldn't find her. She felt sorry for me. So she asked God if she... <laughs> 
if she can go down and give me her red balloon. This is harder for me than I thought. She would stay behind in my place, knowing that the tribulation was about to happen. I knew enough about the Bible to understand what that meant. This cut me in my very core. Her dream showed me how much she loved me and that I in no way loved her. Her love was real love, not like what I had for her. I couldn't make any sense of it. There was no reason. There was nothing that I had ever given her but hatred. There was no reason for her to love me that way. I absolutely did not deserve it. I wish I could say that at that moment I repent, repented and became a believer, but it didn't happen that way. God had many things to show me that would make me question everything that I thought that I knew. After all of my excuses were shattered, God brought my sins to light and revealed them to me. I had to face him honestly for the first time in my life with all of my sins exposed. That day I not only became a believer, but a dedicated follower of Jesus, Jesus Christ, because he truly is the only way. It wasn't until much later that I realized that the path that led me there didn't start with a powerful argument like I was used to, persuasive words, or a thoughtful speech to combat my mean-spirited, foul, and spiteful language. It was the demonstration of the love of God through a young believer. And that was enough to plant a powerful seed in me and point me in the direction of Jesus Christ. Thank you all, and God bless.